read God's Word together this morning from Matthew chapter 6. And we will read the whole of this chapter of God's Word. First of all, the first part of the chapter is instructive to us concerning prayer, concerning prayer itself. And then the latter part, the second half from verse 19 especially, is instructive to us concerning our relationship to earthly things, which is what we pray for in this petition that we consider this morning, the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine arms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But though when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Read God's word thus far. May God bless to us the reading of his word. And it's on the basis of that passage and on the basis of all of God's word that we have the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 50 concerning the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lord's Day 50, question and answer 125. Which is the fourth petition? And the answer, give us this day our daily bread, that is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing, and therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in thee. We have learned already, beloved, from the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ through the Lord's Prayer that God must come first in our prayers to him. 
When we pray to God, we do not immediately begin with petitions for the things that we desire to have for ourselves, that is, with petitions for earthly things. We begin with petitions concerning God. We pray concerning his name and his kingdom and his will. And now we pray concerning daily bread. As the Catechism points out, that is a prayer, that is a request for all things that are necessary for the body. Earthly things, food and clothing, a home to live in, income, work, our health earthly things. And yet even with this, the child of God who lives by faith is thinking of and focused upon God. If there is anything that's clear from the answer that is given in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 50, it's this. We are completely dependent upon God for all earthly things. And so even with this petition, our focus does not shift from God now to man, from God to ourselves, but we remain focused upon God. Matthew chapter 6, which we read, points out to us that our perspective and our attitude toward things earthly must be antithetical. That is, it must stand in sharp contrast to and be distinctly different from that of the ungodly. The ungodly, when it comes to earthly things, are covetous. The ungodly are greedy. The ungodly in terms of Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 are those who heap up to themselves treasures upon this earth. They seek after, they set their hearts upon, they have as their goal in life to have an abundance of earthly things. In contrast to that, the child of God must be satisfied with daily bread. The child of God must have moderate desires and moderate expectations and therefore moderate requests to God regarding earthly things. In the second place, Matthew 6 points out that the ungodly are preoccupied with earthly things. That's the focus of their lives. Matthew 6 verses 31 and 32 points that out. When Christ says to us, don't take thought, and that means literally, don't worry, don't let this be a cause of anxiety for you, 
Take no thought, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And then he follows that with these words, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, the ungodly seek after those things. They are preoccupied with thoughts about things earthly. But in contrast, the believer is preoccupied and is to be and must be preoccupied with spiritual things. Verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures upon this earth. And verse 33, seek ye the kingdom of God. Things spiritual things heavenly, and things eternal. And then thirdly, we notice this from Matthew 6, the ungodly worry about earthly things, about food and work and income and all the rest. The ungodly are characterized by anxiety, concerning all those things. They are troubled by that, troubled even regarding their future. Will they have enough? And if they don't have enough, where will they get it from? Will they be able to cover their expenses? Etc. In contrast, our Lord Jesus Christ says to us, And he says this to us three times in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 25, again in verse 31, and again in verse 34, take no thought about those earthly things. As I said, literally Christ is saying, don't be anxious, don't be worried, about those earthly things. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of those things, and your heavenly Father will provide what you need. So consider then this Lord's Day under the theme praying concerning our earthly needs. And let's notice together our dependence upon God our need of his blessing, and our trust in him alone. Realizing, beloved, that we have many earthly needs, things that we need in order to survive, things that we need in order to stay alive as earthly creatures, what shall we do about that? The believer does not say, realizing that he has all those needs, the believer does not say, I can take care of myself. If the believer is faced with increased cost of living or greater medical expenses or unemployment or high and higher 
cost of tuition, he does not trust in himself and then panic because he doesn't know how he is going to cope with all of these expenses. But rather, with regard to all earthly needs, we seek our Father who is in heaven. We look to God. We know ourselves to be weak and helpless with regard to all earthly needs. And we say, I need God to supply my needs. I need my heavenly Father to provide for me. I am completely dependent upon God. Now, none of us would deny that we are completely dependent upon God for spiritual things, for our spiritual needs. None of us would deny that, unless, of course, someone is an Arminian who says, God is dependent upon me, really, for my spiritual life and salvation, because I must act first, and God cannot do anything unless I do something first, unless I exercise my supposed free will and seek salvation from him. Or even as perhaps the Roman Catholics who say, God needs me in order to save me. He needs my work in order for me to be blessed with the salvation of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And he needs the work of other saints. But those of us who are, by the grace of God, brought to the light of the Reformed faith, readily confess we have many spiritual needs and we're not able to provide them ourselves. We cannot provide ourselves with the forgiveness of sins. We cannot provide ourselves with the assurance of salvation and the comfort of life eternal. We cannot provide ourselves with hope and love and joy and peace. We cannot get ourselves to heaven. Not in any way whatsoever can we do that. God, our Father, supplies all our spiritual needs. And he supplies them abundantly and supplies them richly to us in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if God did not supply our spiritual needs, all of them, all of them, we would perish. We would perish eternally. We would perish forever under God's wrath. We readily confess that, don't we? But the same is true, beloved, concerning every physical need. We are creatures of the dust. We are weak and frail and helpless, and our lives are not in our own hands, as we sometimes are tempted to think. I can take care of my earthly life without much help from God. No, you can't. We are dependent upon God for every breath that we breathe. We are dependent upon God for every beat of our hearts. 
We are dependent upon Him for every movement that we make. We are dependent upon Him for every slice of bread and for every cup of water and for every meal that we eat. We're dependent upon God for every dollar that we have. Every cent. Without God providing, we would have nothing at all. And the Catechism points that out. And the Catechism says to us, this is who God is. God is the only fountain of all our earthly things. God is the only source of everything earthly that we need and that we have. Not God and others supply me with my earthly needs, not God and myself provide me with what I need for this earthly life. Not God and my hard work puts before me food on the table. Yes, he uses means. He uses the rain. He uses the sunshine. He uses our work. He uses, as the catechism says, our care and our industry, of being industrious and hardworking. He uses those means, but everything comes from God. And we come to him always with empty hands. And God fills them with all that we need for our earthly life. And that's why, beloved, it isn't wrong. It is not a sin to ask God for earthly things. There are some who think it is. And they say that we should only ever pray to God for spiritual things. And that's how they will interpret this fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, they will say, doesn't refer to earthly bread. It refers to heavenly bread. It refers to Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life for us, the bread of God who came down from heaven for us. That's what we are praying for in the fourth petition, some will say. They strive to be very pious. And being overly pious, they think it is wrong for us to ask God for earthly things. Those earthly things are just way too insignificant to be bringing to God in prayer as a request for them. The fact of the matter is, beloved, it would be wrong and it would be sin if we did not ask God to supply us with our earthly needs. It would be the sin of independence. It would be the sin of saying, I don't need God in this area of my life. I need him in my spiritual life, but not my earthly, physical life. It would be the sin of pride saying, 
I can take care of myself when it comes to earthly things. I don't need God. We ought to say, and Christ is teaching us to say through this petition, all that I am, I owe to God. All that I have, I owe to him, because it comes from his hand. I cannot live one moment without him. We may ask for earthly things. We must. We must never forget to do so. And yet, when you ask God for earthly things, you must do it in the right way, as the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. Our thoughts about and our requests for earthly things must therefore be governed by these kinds of questions. Am I asking for things that are proper for me to ask for? Things that are legitimate for me to request from God? That is, am I asking God for daily bread? Christ said, that's what you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And that expresses a willingness on our part to live a very simple and a very basic life when it comes to earthly things. We're not asking, and we may not ask for extravagant things. We are not asking, and we may not ask for an abundance, for wealth, for riches, for earthly prosperity. We may not ask, and are not asking for all kinds of extra money and income so that we can have a larger house and all of the latest styles of clothing that are available, and the most delicious foods that we could ever think of, but simply bread. What you need to stay alive, what you need so that you do not die from starvation, and what you need, as that's implied by bread, for the sustaining of your earthly life so that you are, you could say, protected from the heat of summer and from the cold of winter. And not just that we're asking for bread, but give us this day our daily bread. We're asking God simply for enough for one day. And if at the end of the day we have nothing left, God has provided what we needed. God has given enough. God has answered our request. Give us this day our daily bread. I think we all would admit 
Beloved, it's very difficult for us to be sincere in praying this request. Do we really know what daily bread is? Do we really know what it means to have only a little? Do we know what it means to live day by day? have enough for today and nothing left for tomorrow. Having experienced wealth and abundance as we do, would we be satisfied with simply daily bread? How, do we, how well do we know what it means to depend upon God on a daily basis for our basic earthly needs. We have so much. And in comparison to some of God's people in the world, some of God's saints who are poor, we have an abundance of earthly things an abundance of food, comfortable homes in which to live, nice cars, and all of the modern conveniences of life. And you understand, beloved, it's not a sin for us to have those things. It's not wrong for us to have those things if God has been pleased in his providence to give them to us. But that's what makes this petition Difficult. That's what makes it difficult for us to be sincere in praying to God, give us this day our daily bread. Difficult for us to relate to having bread, food and drink and clothing and shelter and money that is simply enough for today and nothing more. regardless of how difficult it is for us to relate to that, and perhaps not simply regardless, but because it is, because it is difficult for us to relate to that, that's exactly why we need to be reminded of these things. In the midst of our abundance, we must still admit complete dependence upon God for all of our earthly needs. In the midst of our abundance, we must hear our Lord Jesus Christ say to us, as he does when he teaches us through this petition of the Lord's Prayer, don't ask for prosperity. Don't seek an abundance. Don't set your heart upon riches and upon the luxuries of earthly life. But seek from God simply the basic necessities of life. And if God ever takes away our wealth, as could happen in the days of persecution that will come, upon the church, or as could happen in other ways too. If 
God ever takes away our wealth and reduces us to having only enough for today, we must be satisfied and content with that. God has given us, even then, has given us this day our daily bread. But as dependent creatures, beloved, we do not simply need God to supply us with earthly things. We do need that, but not only that. There is also something else that is far more important, and the Catechism mentions that, and mentions that that is a part of this prayer part of this petition and request, and that is we ask God for his blessing. His blessing. God's blessing refers to God's grace, God's favor when he gives us something. And that blessing is what God gives to us who are in Christ. He gives it to us in Christ. He gives uh, that blessing to us through Christ, because of Christ, which shows clearly that that blessing of God is not a blessing for everyone, but the blessing of God is a particular blessing, a blessing only for those who are Christ. But when God blesses, then that means God gives what he does with a positive attitude toward the person to whom he gives it. Not an attitude of animosity, not an attitude of hatred, not an attitude of, well, you are my enemy and I am your enemy, but when God gives us things with his blessing, then his attitude toward us when he gives us those things is love. Loving us in Christ. Loving us as his children. And therefore when God blesses, when God gives with the things that he gives to us also his blessing, what he gives us will profit us. And will profit us not simply from an earthly point of view, but will be profitable to us spiritually, profitable to our souls, profitable to us with a view to eternity. And that will be true if God gives his blessing. That will be true regardless of what he actually gives. No matter how much he gives, he gives it with his, with his blessing, it will be profitable. And no matter how little he gives, if he gives it with his blessing, it will be profitable to us. And so we need from God not just earthly things, but also, and even especially, his blessing. 
Catechism points that out too. Neither our care nor our industry, so neither our care of what God gives to us, our wise stewardship of what God gives to us, nor our industry, our work, our hard work, our weekly day job and the income we earn from it, nor God's gifts, none of those things will profit us without God's blessing. Without his blessing, all of God's gifts and all of our earthly care of those gifts and all of our stewardship of those gifts from God and all of our use of those gifts does us absolutely no good. We need the blessing of God. Consider, beloved, for a moment, the ungodly. The ungodly are also dependent upon God. The ungodly also receive what they have from God. And we can even say the ungodly receive gifts from God. But the ungodly never receive God's blessing. Often, the ungodly have an abundance. They are successful in life. They are wealthy quite often much wealthier than the people of God are. They have a lot more than you and I have. But all of the things that the ungodly receive, because they do not receive God's blessing, all of those things are a curse to them. None of it is for any spiritual good to them, because God does not give it to them in his love and in his favor. Yes, he gives it to them. They receive it from God. They are just as dependent upon God for earthly things as we are. Every creature is. But there they are with their houses, their cars, their clothing, their toys, the luxuries of life. And it's all harmful. It's all destructive because they do not have God's blessing. And it's in that connection, beloved, that we do well to take note briefly of the era of common grace. The era of common grace teaches that The grace of God, as it were, is in the things that God gives. So that if God gives good things to someone, God is being gracious to that person. The rain and the sunshine that God gives, according to common grace, to the ungodly farmer is God's graciousness to that person. And so they say the grace of God is common. The grace of God is a grace that God shows toward all men. The wicked even are the objects of God's grace because God gives them good things. But that's not true. 
To receive a gift from God is not to receive the grace of God. Because God's grace is, refers to God's attitude. God's grace refers to God's blessing. And the all-important thing is not what you receive from God, and that's good for us to remember too. The all-important thing is not what you receive from God, but that you receive God's blessing when you receive it. The all-important thing, therefore, is what is God's attitude toward me when God gives me something? And for the wicked, his attitude is never favorable, never loving, never gracious. Even the Catechism makes that clear. And we could say that this Lord's Day rejects common grace. Our rejection of common grace as churches is a confessional rejection of common grace. And that's evident from the fact that this Lord's Day makes a clear distinction between God's gifts and God's blessing. Just because the wicked receive gifts from God doesn't mean that God is blessing them. Just because they receive the rain and the sunshine that enables them to have a bumper crop and a good harvest doesn't mean that God is being gracious and favorable toward them. In fact, it adds to their condemnation. It increases their guilt before God. And it does that because they do not acknowledge God as the giver of those good things, but rather they say, look at what I've done. Look at what I've been able to accomplish. Look at the yields that I was able to attain this year. They don't acknowledge God as the giver. That adds to their guilt before God. And that adds to their condemnation before him. And secondly, what adds to their guilt before God and their condemnation is they do not thank God for these things. Instead, they proudly pat themselves on the back and thank themselves for them. And thirdly, what adds to their guilt and, and condemnation before God is that they don't use the abundance that God gives them, the good gifts that God gives them, to serve God. But it all is in the service of themselves, their own name, their own honor, their own praise, and their own pleasures in life. God gives them good things. But as Psalm 73 points out, it speeds them up on the slippery slope that leads to eternal judgment and destruction for them. Because God's grace is not common. God's blessing is not common. They are without the blessing of God. 
that underscores, beloved, how much we need and how much we need to pray for God's blessing. Let's not forget also to pray for that in our prayers to God. That blessing makes all the difference. The blessing of God makes all the difference. Without the blessing of God, even thousands and tens of thousands of dollars a person might have or get is nothing but a curse to him. But with the blessing of God, even the smallest amount of food and an old house in which one lives and having barely enough money to survive is good, is good for the soul. And God is pleased to give his blessing, to give his blessing to those who belong to Jesus Christ and to give it because of Christ. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ to whom we belong, God is always favorable toward us because Christ has covered our sins in the sight of God. And no matter what we get from God, whether a lot or a little, we always have God's blessing as we sing of that in Psalm 37, a little that the righteous hold is better far than wealth untold of wicked, ungodly men. Why? Because we have the blessing of God in Christ. Thirdly, this morning, beloved, the Catechism mentions there's one more thing that we ask from God in this petition. And that is, cause us also to withdraw our trust from all creatures and to put our trust in God alone. good that the Catechism mentions that, first of all, because we are tempted to put our trust in creatures. We're tempted, perhaps, sometimes to put our trust in earthly rulers. They can perhaps improve the economy. They can fix up our country financially. And they can make our lives better. Or this, we are tempted to trust in ourselves. Trust in our own hard work. Trust in our own wise stewardship of what God gives. Trust in our ability to get ourselves out of debt. Trust in our savings for our future and even for our retirement. When we trust in creatures, 
Then we become anxious concerning earthly things. Then we start worrying about income, and then we start worrying about getting a good-paying job. Then we start worrying about the lack of rain and the lack of moisture for next year. And then we start worrying about having enough money for bills and for our medical expenses and for paying tuition because we are trusting in ourselves. We are trusting in creatures rather than trusting in God. That's what leads to worry. And that's why the words of our Lord Jesus Christ are necessary for us to hear when he says three times, take no thought, verse 25. Verse 31, take no thought. Again, verse 34, take no thought. That is, don't worry. Don't be anxious. That anxiety and that worry arises because of a failure to trust in God. And so we must withdraw our trust from all other creatures, withdraw our trust from ourselves, and place our trust in God alone, knowing and believing that our present circumstances, as well as Our future are not in our hands, but in the hands of God. We have every reason to trust in God, and therefore not to worry. God is our Father, and we are his children for Christ's sake. As those who are his children, we are children saved by his grace and children who have a home in heaven, children whose home is not this earth, children whose home is not permanently here below, but we are traveling through on our way to our home in heaven. And that means earthly things for the child of God who understands himself to be saved by the grace of God, and to have a home in heaven, earthly things are not ends in themselves for us. Earthly things, all of them, are simply a means to a glorious, eternal end that God has in view for us. And in this life, God provides us with those earthly things and provides us with them in order that they may serve our preparation for glory. And he gives his blessing, gives those things in his favor so that what he gives is a blessing for your soul. And what he does not give, what he withholds, is a blessing also for your soul. And so Christ says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things, all these earthly things, shall be added unto you. And when the child of God, by his grace, seeks first the kingdom of God and realizes what it means to be in the kingdom of God and realizes what riches he has as a citizen of the kingdom of God, how richly he is blessed by God in Christ, then he will say, so what? If I have only a few earthly things, I have countless spiritual riches and blessings in the kingdom of God. So what if I struggle to pay for our earthly needs in this life? I have Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And so what if I am poor compared to others? I have treasures in glory that no one can ever take away from me. We are rich. And we are full. And we are complete with all that we need for body and soul, for life and eternity, in and through Christ our Savior. May we learn that to depend upon and trust in God, our Father, every day. And remember, too, beloved, remember also and especially to seek and to pray for God's blessing. May God, through this, teach us to pray sincerely. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for thy provision. And we thank thee for Christ, through whom we are richly blessed with all that we need for body and soul, for time and for eternity. May we rejoice in the riches that we have in him and learn to be content with what thou dost in thy wisdom give us for our earthly lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.